Hello, 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 Cryptonauts. Welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I am your host, Blockchain John, back from vacation here with my buddy, Jake Jabarelli, ready to give you episode 506. Yes, 506. All right, so, uh, yeah, I have enjoyed my vacation. It was nice. It was great. It was nice to just disconnect and plug. My internet was very limited, uh, which, in a way, was good because it just met my, I spent more time out in... Uh, touching grass, IRL. It was great. Loved it. Beach. The Wait, beach was was, was there any grass there? <laughs> there was. There was. There was. There wasn't any. There was sand. Yeah, of lots sand. of sand. You were touching sand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's jump on to the first news. All right. So we're kicking off here as we always do with Decrypt here on the twelfth of April. 2023, Ethereum Shanghai upgrade goes live, unlocking $34 billion in staked ETH. Oh, I can't believe there's that much in there. That sounds like a billion node. No, is it a billion? No, it's it's, a, it's uh, 10 million nodes worth of ETH because <laughs> it costs 32 ETH to get uh, to get one node. Anyways, uh, yeah, so this is exciting. This was what we're recording here on Pacific time at roughly 9 p.m. It went live at 3.30 Eastern, which was it 3.30 Eastern? April 12th. Oh, 6.20. It was 6.30 Eastern, so it was 3.30 our time. So roughly five and a half hours ago. Five hours ago. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's up. And the thing is... This has been in the works. Well, the thing that's so neat about it is the price went up. You know, the price went up just shortly, like maybe a day before uh, it went live. And the price didn't really drop much at all when all these other people can now pull their ETH out. It seems like people are pumping more ETH in because the price is... Yeah, there was a lot of FOMO. Yeah, people are pumping the fiat into it, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot going into it because like price of ETH is almost a two grand, which is it's been a long time since we've been, been that high. You know, uh, there's going to be a lot of dumping though pretty soon because uh, a lot a lot of central centralized companies like uh, Coinbase and bankrupt companies like FTX <laughs> and um, Celsius and uh, What's the other one? Kraken? I think Kraken also announced that yeah. they were going to dump their coins on there because of uh, Fed regulations. You know, and of course the bankrupt companies like uh, like uh, FTX and Celsius, they have they're forced to sell because of bankruptcy. Right. So yeah, regardless, yeah, that it's going up. Uh, hopefully it goes up. It's always it's always good for the economy. But in the end, expect there to be a lot of coins dumped onto the market. Yeah. Um, but. By uh, a force of hand, you know it's 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 inevitable. It's going to happen. Well, people have been sit, going had to, to sit on their money for so long. It's been years. So, uh, is it going to zero? No, it no. will not go to zero. Okay, don't FOMO. It's cool. Hang out, enjoy the ride. Um, I believe staking is still an option. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jake. Yeah, yeah of course you can still stake. Just because you can sell now doesn't mean you can't stake. I mean, how I else are you supposed still... to be able to get a note if you can't stake it? <laughs> <clears throat> right, right, right. So yeah, right at, right at this time of writing, uh, when this was written today, with you know a, a total cost of a, a 32 ETH note is about sixty one thousand U S dollars, which is a good chunk of change. Um, uh, pocket change. Right. Well, <laughs> it's still it's, it's still two e, uh, two Bitcoin, right? As of if right I now. If I recall, if I recall, Celsius has about three point two billion dollars in that locked ETH that uh, is going to be dumped onto the market. Yeah, because they need to sell that stuff mm. so they can pay their people back. Yeah. yeah. So I think um, Kraken has another 1.2, I think, billion. Wait, you're talking about 1.2 billion ETH or 1.2 billion oh, dollars, dollars worth of dollars, ETH? Okay. Dollars, well, dollars, yeah. Probably more than that right now, but because we know when things crash down, 
it was worth a whole heck of a lot more when people put their money in. That's the reason I don't like using fiat to buy just, stuff because it, it, if it drops in value, you lose it. You know, so if you scroll down right above the tweet there about from uh, ethprofit.eth, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a paragraph there and an interesting sentence there. It says, during the epoch. So let me actually read the whole paragraph. Luckily, though, those immediate concerns are now a rear-viewed mirrored. Uh, once Ethereum reached its 194,000, 48th epoch at 6:27 p.m. EST. The network's mainnet began forking to integrate the Shanghai upgrade. During the epoch, eight slots were missed. That's what's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, a standard amount, typically representing nodes that had not yet updated their clients, were Shanghai. Yep. Which kind of that's that's a little that's bizarre. First of all, all right. Yeah, it's, it's uh, not everyone's on the on the ball. It might be nighttime where they are. So. But the Ethereum network continued processing transactions. Right, so I'm a little confused. Just because it, it, it just because be eight there, nodes are down doesn't mean there aren't thousands of other nodes. Okay. Right. So cool. I mean, there's probably plenty of nodes down right now. So it's, it, just because not everybody's up to date with doing things. So. So right. the signal of the successful upgrade, it was good. All right. Immediately thereafter, staked ETH withdrawals began processing smoothly. Great. Ethereum Chappella upgrade was a stunning success. We made it. A tweet from ethprofit.eth. Yep. Cool. Right. So congratulations to everybody that staked for the past few years. Yeah, exactly. I, I was one of them. Um, not that I staked a whole lot of it, but I did I did stake some of it back back when I joined up with ETH. When ETH was like three hundred US dollars per coin is when I put some of it on the on on the staking pool. Anyways, let's move on to bad news for Justin Sun. Oh, Binance US to delist Justin Sun's Tron token next week. What <laughs> is going on? Let me read this first paragraph here. Binance US, the American branch of the world's leading cryptocurrency exchange, Binance, announced that it will delist Tron, TRX, and Spell from its trading platform. Both tokens will be removed from Binance US on April 18th. So if you have Tron or Spell, you better get it off of Binance US immediately. All right. Actually, get all your crypto off of exchanges. Please. Exactly. Not your keys, not your crypto. Don't store your coins on exchange. Continue, the exchange said it will continue to support USDT and USDC stablecoins issued on the Tron network. Um, okay, that's fair. That's well, good. Because, along along know, these lines, although not explicitly related to this this uh, exchange, you know, uh, Bitrex, my favorite and first exchange that I ever used for anything, is closing down its exchange. And so Tron is going away as well. So at, by the end of this month, Bitrex will no longer exchange coins and you cannot host them there anymore. They're literally shutting, shuttering their, their company because they're so scared that the Fed is going to sue them out of existence. Wow. So they're just, they're just beating the Fed to the punch. I mean, look, Coinbase is getting accosted, right, by the Fed. If Coinbase, the biggest besides Binance in the world, can get accosted by the Feds about, sta about staking, uh, Bitrex is not going to survive. So I'm only making that as a side note to say that that you're, if you have Tron, which Tron can be exchanged or could be at least exchanged on Bitrex, no longer there either. <laughs> that's crazy, dude. That's actually that's crazy. <clears throat> yeah, I'm a little disappointed because I, I really like Bitrex. I used them for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I've used them in the past. Yeah, we here's a quote: uh, We operate on the rapidly evolving industry. And our digital assets monitoring process is designed to be responsive to market and regulation developments. Finance US said in a statement. All right. So 
Uh, when a digital asset no longer meets our high standards or industrial uh, industry circumstances circumstances change, we conduct a more in-depth review of the affected uh, assets and uh, uh, and assess whether further action is necessary. Which is true. If you guys don't know, all exchange all exchanges do this, not just Binance, Binance US. All exchanges do this. If there's very minimal activity going on with a particular coin that they listed in the past, they're going to delist it. There's no point of having a, to a token uh, listed if there's no activity going on there, right? right? Yeah, there's, um, it's, it's wasting time, wasting money for them. Exactly. So there you go. I don't know if that's the reason why they're doing this. Uh, they don't actually specify what it is, but uh, I'm sure they have a good reason. It's all strategy. Tron's right? exchange, money, the exchange of Tron token isn't, bad it's, it's definitely still being exchanged in a lot of places unlike <laughs> uh cave coin but uh it's um it's not yeah try uh paul you're right sometimes john does cut out but it has it's because his bandwidth is poor um in any uh, case the uh you're not cutting out for me though john um okay. the uh this ex i think this is binance is taking tron down because of the uh scandal that tr that uh, tron is going through so it, uh justin son yeah just well not tron the person but yeah tron the coin so yeah um yeah and then spell is the other one they're taking off um this is a link reward link to abracadabra money lending platform platform so or magic internet money is another one related to and of course, the, if you looked on, I, I don't have it up right now, but if you look on CoinGecko, you can see where there was a spike when the announcement happened and Tron, the, the value of Tron dropped pretty significantly. And it's still on the way down right now. And the SEC lawsuit specifically targets Sun's three companies, Tron Foundation, BitTorrent, and Rainberry. Complaint for the alleges that Sun earned illegal profits of about $31 million through Tron sales. Yeah, mm, it's going to suck. I mean, Tron, Tron's a pretty strong coin. So if we find and and you know we've already found out certain celebrities. What is it in the top ten? Mm, I don't think it's in the top ten, but it's always been a, a very active coin. Definitely in the top twenty. Yeah, let's see, coin. Definitely in the top twenty. Gecko. Seventeen. Yeah. Worth five five and a half billion, with a uh, okay. daily a daily move. Billion. Yeah, a daily move of uh, four hundred million. It's it's yeah, it's got it's significant transaction. So it's it's sad to see it being removed from Binance US, but I mean there's plenty of other places going to be exchanging. It's just that the top one, that being Binance, <laughs> isn't going to be doing it anymore. Well, at least Binance US. So moving on to LimeWire. I don't know if anybody remembers LimeWire from oh, what, yeah, 20 years Lime ago. LimeWire Lime launches nostalgic <laughs> music downloading game with crypto rewards. Ooh. Nostalgic brand from the early 2000s music peer-to-peer -peer file sharing service LimeWire has been re res resurrected in Web3 and a quirky music downloading game that plays on its history as has been released today that he simulates the old old Windows operating system with the LimeWire software running. Players must enter their email address in order to play. The browser-based game involves pretending to search for old music and movies to download. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. But it's a game, yes, right? Yes, I remember LimeWare. LimeWare is pretty awesome back in the days. I loved it. I was I nerded out on that. Downloaded all my uh, this so prior to that, I think what I what I used to do to get my to get my songs was uh, record them on cassette, cassette tape. 
you hit that you hit that record button that record off the radio button. yep off the radio on the radio bro and that my my little walkman that, that wait was for it, the that for it. the uh dj on the on the radio to announce your song and then they yes. do a little bit of pre-roll and you might not catch that part because he's probably talking over it and then you hit record right after he stops talking and you record your song then LimeWire came out and I heard about it. I was like, hell yeah, dude, I'm about to jump on this, right? And what did I have? I, I, I think it was uh, not, not an iPod. What was that little? It was an iPod, right? What was it? Was the a little, Zoom? Little, little did you have a Zoom? Oh, the little, <laughs> no, it was a small little, like, little iPod player. A little, geez, what was it called? Oh, I don't know. It was what a music you... player, but it was an Apple device. You know, you can store your music on there. I guess so. I mean, iPods were pretty heavy back then. They were they were actually hard drive oh, based. This was, oh, this one was a small, small little device that you can store music on. And you had the play button, stop button, forward and, and back button. Well, I mean, there were a whole bunch of crap ver early MP3 players. Um, yes, MP3 players. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Oh. I was back in the days, loved it. It was great. That's where I, I got my LimeWire music. I, I actually I had, had an MP3 great. man. It was a, a Chinese knockoff of the Sony Discman that uh played mp3 uh, cds i might still have it somewhere but it broke a long time ago so I could, I could burn an mp3 disc you know with like 700 songs on it and then play it on this this you know disc man like device which is pretty cool it was honestly pretty shit, but it, it did work <laughs> but this is still pretty cool limewire game the game that says all scores are entered into the Onto the leaderboard, and the players with the highest scores are being promised crypto rewards from the form of LimeWire's new upcomer ERC20 token, LMWR, or Limmer. Lim, Limwer? <laughs> Limwer, which is slated for release next month. The top 1,000 players will receive a total of 150,000 Limwer distributed hierarchically among them, as well as merch packages. So you get to play the game by faking like you're downloading <laughs> music and movies. Wait, 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 wait. It's only available until May 15th? Why? Uh, oh, available to play until, I don't know. Good question. Mm. Uh, I guess... You know, they seem to explain that. I guess it's just a promotion for the for the new uh, LimeWire. Yeah, could be. But, I mean, how how is LimeWire coming back from what it originally did? If you, if it, you know, how do you download music illegally <laughs> the way LimeWire allowed, originally allowed you to do it? I guess you could technically torrent it, but I mean, you, can, well, I you, you don't even need LimeWire to torrent music anyway, so. Yeah, I know. It's, it's all readily available now. It's beautiful, man. Music's beautiful. All right, yeah. let's move on. Yeah, let's move on to the, the in my opinion, most important topic uh, of the, the hour, and it's something we could easily talk for, for hours about. We've got an entire podcast dedicated to. Uh, but it's not explicitly about Robert Kennedy. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, joins Ron DeSantis in railing against CBDCs. It's CBDCs and what's called Fed Now here in the U.S. So why are we on about this? And I want to I want to give some positives, but let's talk about the negatives first. So why are central bank di digital currencies? If you haven't already heard us talk hours about this before, why is it bad, John? Please. Satan. Please tell, please tell everybody why it's bad. Okay. All right. So CBDCs, they're bad because they're, central, they're centralized and they're, 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 they're managed by the government, right? So it's not like open source or decentralized like, uh, like Bitcoin or Ravencoin. I, I, I guess you can sort of say Ethereum, sort of. I don't want to say that, but, but there's going to be some people that are going to say that. 
whatever. CBDCs are just going to be owned by the feds, just one institution that owns all the transactions. You make those transactions, and sometimes the fed won't like what you're doing, right? You want to do an international transaction. You want to buy yourself a nice new uh, Xiaomi device overseas. Well, you know what? The U.S. government doesn't like you buying Chinese products, and they're going to say, no, we don't want you to buy that. So they're going to stop your account. Another thing is if you were trying to purchase some some protein, you won't be able to buy protein because uh, today's like that that good day that you are you're only going to eat you know uh, veggies or yep. fruits whatever yep. uh, another thing is your transactions will be publicly available to not well they're going to be available to the feds to see all your transactions everything that you're doing they get to see it's already bad as it is that if you own uh, a computer your ip address is traced and they see all, all, all your activity that you do right it's 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 even worse that they get to see what you're spending your money on you know with with cash they won't really see that right we're spending your money uh, uh, peer to peer, right? But here with with Fed now with CBDCs, all your transactions is publicly available. Well, not publicly available for the public. I'm sure it's going to be private. The, the, the public won't be able to see all those transactions, but the government will, will, be, will be able to monitor all the all the, all the activity, right? Right. Uh, what else? What what else am I missing? No, I think you're hitting the the primary negatives of uh, what a CBDC for the for U.S. fiat would be, or a CBDC for any country, regardless. Now. I know it's going to be hard to overcome with all those negatives, but let me at least try to speak to the positives of what I think a centralized uh, digital currency would actually help. Now, for people who, one, the, one of the first things they mentioned off of the FedNow website, which is a real website, you know, it's like fednow.gov, you can check it out, um, is it means that every single person, whether they're a citizen or not, that means even quote unquote illegals or people here on green cards can come in and use. Um, all right, maybe it's not Fed now explicitly. Let's see. It might be something different. Uh, Fed now service. Okay, so is it uh, Federal Reserve? No, it's like, okay, so it's, yeah, it's not up yet. It's not going to launch until July. Um, so if you go to federalreserve.gov, it'll tell you about it. But um, just look up Fed now and it'll tell you. What the thing is it's FedNow services frbservices.org or but that's an org but federalreserve.gov press releases has the actual announcement anyways let me make the points that they were making <clears throat> every single citizen in the united states whether they be here legally or not can have dig access to digital banking services completely through this service and the reason that is good is because it means that the roughly oh, i think they said was 40 million people that are currently in the U.S. who do not have access to banking services will have access to banking services finally. Now, another reason. Why, why is the other reason, another reason that it would be good to have the service? Right now, when you're sending transactions, like if you use Venmo or PayPal or Cash App or something, the money is sent immediately, right? If, you, if I send you, John, money from my Cash App to your Cash App, you get it right away. But if you make a payment through anything else that's not cash out Venmo or something like it on the weekend or anytime after like Friday at 6 p.m., that transaction does not go through until Monday at 8 a.m. And with the new FedNow service, it's 24-7-365. 24-7-365. Every single day, every single second, whenever you want to send money, it just automatically goes. It's no longer having to wait for the weekend to be over for that transaction to go through. In my opinion, that's one of my biggest favorites about FedNow's service. It gets rid of what's called ACH or automated clearinghouse within uh, the, the country and, and eliminates this 
waiting until Monday BS. And it also eliminates uh, transactional changes from being as much as 48 hours, no matter how much money you send. You can, the whole point of this thing is the Fed realized back in 2019, which of course Bitcoin existed back then too, before we had this pandemic BS, is that the, the people back then were like, well, you know, if you want to send more than $5,000, you know, you're going to get checked on it. The Patriot Act did that to us. Uh, if you want to send $10,000 or $100,000, it can be very expensive to send $100,000. So a lot of people were turning to, as we have for many time, for a long time now, crypto. Because you can send crypto. You can send $10 million through crypto. And it might cost you, you know, 100 bucks, maybe. Depends on what coin you send it in. Um, so you can send gargantuan sums of money to anyone, anywhere. And the Fed doesn't necessarily appreciate the fact that you can do that. And so they want, of course, you to use their service. Um, but they're also trying to get to the fact that they're allowing people to send money instantaneously all the time. They're really seeing the values of what crypto brought to it and saying, yeah, you know, we're going to kind of restrict some of those functionality. Like if you put all your money through Fed now, they can then say you can't buy whatever you said at some point in the future. Um, but they don't, they're basically trying to pull value, the, the functional values of what crypto allows into something that involves fiat currency. So those are my positives. I know you may say that the negatives that you mentioned earlier outweigh those positives, and maybe they do. But uh, to me, these features are things that we just haven't had because the banking system would not allow it because of something that happened, you know, before even I was born. My dad used to talk about this all the time and rail about the fact that banks were were dicks about this. They're like, oh, well, you know, it takes some time to send money. No, it doesn't. You have computers. It should be instantaneous. You should just be able to send it and it's done. But they deliberately make it go slow so they can make just that little bit extra money off your ass. And the Fed now gets rid of that. So they're just trying to make transactions go faster and get rid of the old banking BS that's been going on forever. So if you want to send money from your bank account straight to Amazon to buy something, you can do it at 3 o'clock in the morning, Sunday Sunday morning, and not have to wait till Monday 8 a.m. for the transaction to take place. So yeah, there you have visualization there on, on Twitch of the uh, how money moves. That's all i got to say about that. If you want to say anything else, I mean, we've already talked about the negatives and, in my opinion, the positives. This is not explicitly about, you know, Kennedy and DeSantis railing against CBDCs. We, we pretty much said the reasons they don't like it. All right, let's move on to the next article. We have every crypto project must reckon with the SEC's Howey test. Yes, Uncle Gary's coming after you. Expect him knocking on your door if you're <laughs> making a crypto coin. Yep. Nearly five years ago, SEC officials Bill Hillman stood on stage at Yahoo's Finance Crypto Summit in San Francisco and delivered a prepared speech that concluded that Ethereum is not a security. A footnote on the SEC's website clarified that the speech expresses the author's views and not does not necessarily reflect those of the commission, but it was nonetheless taken exactly that way. <laughs> All right. Yeah. What's going on here? It's important to make note that, that the Howey test is used to basically check whether or not something is a security. And um, Hinman basically said, by the Howey test, it's not a security. 
But the Howie test has become an infamous boogeyman for everyone in crypto. And while the industry would like it to just go away, it's clear it's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, I'm leaning towards Ethereum is a security. Do you, should we even go there? I want to explain why, why I think. All right, go ahead. All right. Correct me if I'm wrong. If this is not, if this is not it, please correct me. And so uh, Ethereum came with an ICO. Are ICOs considered security? Well, all right. So to be more broad, uh, what we talked about before was the whole point of saying what is a security is, is do people put money into a thing expecting the value of it to go up? And is that thing fungible? Yes. And, and is are, are people putting money into Ethereum in that manner? Probably in the beginning, yes, they probably were. Are they doing it as much now? Probably not since the price of Ethereum has been down for so long. Um, but there is also the fact that you can stake Ethereum, and that's one of the things that the SEC is getting on people's cases. If you're putting in staking, then yes, you're expecting the value to go up. Will it go up? Eh, but that's no different than a stock. So in a security, in that sense, are you putting money into a security and expecting it to go up? Yes, you are. You're expecting to earn interest and for the value to go up. So are you doing that with Ethereum? Probably. But anymore, since Ethereum has become much more of a tool and you know, for the, the Ethereum uh, virtual machine, a lot of people put things on the back of that tool. Does that mean that Ethereum itself is now a security? Probably not so much. But the argument always, often comes down to what people said with, with uh, Beanie Babies and other such collectibles is, do people buy these things expecting the value to go up? Yes, they do. But are they considered securities? No, they're not. Nobody has ever said that Beanie Babies were a security. Ever. And no one ever will argue that they are. So ICOs are considered a security. That's yes. already been stated. That's been stated. Uh, Ethereum did come out as a security, but yes. here's a catch. I was reading a book from the library. Yes, libraries still exist. Yes, I go there. Yes, I pick up I pick up books, and I uh, read them. And there, I forgot what book it was. It was a long time ago, a couple years ago. There was talking about Ethereum and how they were able to get around the SEC's whole Howey test, and it all happens to be it. Uh, it's all based off of the whole gas functionality. That's their saving grace when, mm -hmm. um, when Vitalik came out with ethereum there was no gas feature built in initially right uh when there was being developed but it was later told to him hey if you release this as an ico you will get in trouble by the feds mm -hmm. here's the loophole if you insert this whole gas functionality this is going to cost something it's going to cost a little little more for people to pay but at least it saves the whole ecosystem of ethereum well, by adding this whole functionality as a tool uh, instead of instead of just as an ICO, and I think that's what you said too. It, it's more of a, as a tool. It's more considered as a tool yeah. for the EVM, which yeah. is true. That's basically how it's how it's built, and that's what it is. Um, but yes, I still want to say that it's it's a freaking ICO, man. ICO. Yeah, and it's centralized. Well, I mean, one of the things we don't like about it, and the very thing that kind of was the saving grace of it, is the fact that it has gas. You know, it, you have to paste some small portion of Ethereum in order to make a transaction. A lot of coins do that, so they can avoid they can avoid the Howey test at, per per the statement. But it actually annoys you and I because one of the problems, one of the very first things I asked when it came to Raven was, <clears throat> if you wanted to make an asset on Raven in the future, when the price of Raven, assumedly, I didn't know it was gonna wasn't going to change much because it was actually higher then than it is now. Um, if the price or the value of uh, Raven, as it relates to fiat, went to like hundred dollars it'd be very expensive to make an asset on raven or make a an nft and i just thought that was unfair and i remember the founders 
uh, kind of response is like, well, you didn't get in soon enough, so too bad. And I was like, but I didn't get into Ethereum soon enough either. He's like, yeah, too bad. <laughs> you know, if you, uh, when's the best time to invest? Yesterday. <laughs> when's the second time to invest, best time to invest? Today. <laughs> so if you want to, if you want to not be, feel bad about uh, what they call fear of missing out or FOMO, get into investing right now. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, uh, gas does, in a sense, or the the cost of sending does, in fact, save, or at least it seems to save projects like Ethereum from being a security. Move it on. Last article of the day. What do we got? FTX debitors say, or deb debtors, not debitors, debtors say, Cubis incompetence and greed at the root of the exchange's collapse. FTX's exchange, that is. FTX CEO, well, current CEO now, John J. Ray, who previously overlooked um, uh, Enron way back when that happened, uh, is overseeing the, uh, overseeing the exchange bankruptcy proceeding, submitted a damning interim report on the firm's operations April 9th, 2023, which was, what, three days ago. Um, Ray wrote that uh, debtors have had to overcome unusual ob obstacles due to FTX Group's lack of appropriate record-keeping and controls in critical areas. Basically, it was an abject failure and a fuster cluck um, because no one was keeping track of anything, barely anything. It was being run like kind of like a household business, and uh, they were just kind of throwing things in a pile and hoping something gets taken care of, but really no one was taking care of it. And so when he dug into it, he realized it was very poorly run. They weren't even using a professional um, accounting software. They were doing everything in Excel, which is not like you can't do that in a startup business, but a startup business worth $30 billion, you probably don't want to be doing that. And you, you could pay people appropriate amounts of money to do the correct kind of finance. But part of it had to do with the fact that Sam Bankman-Fried, as I read in a previous article um, about a month ago, um, was treating FTX as his own personal piggy bank because although he was the CEO and wasn't always the CEO the entire time, he paid himself, what was it, uh, $2.3 billion? <laughs> he used Alameda Research as his own personal piggy bank. That's the reason he took all that money and just gave it to uh, uh, politicians and, and, and insiders and all kinds of different put, you know, labels on, on uh, the Miami Heat's building of FTX. It's, he was just, just throwing money out everywhere. It wasn't his money. It never was his money, um, but uh, it's funny because his his, his ex-girlfriend, when she finally became CEO, he only paid her $6 million, $6 million, compared to the $2.2 billion he paid himself. The hubris, the hubris, I mean, literally, at the start of the, of the article, the hubris, the abject hubris, incredible incompetence and complete greed was really what was going on here. And it's funny because, um, you know, as, as all the stuff that Benjamin Fried was doing, uh, he just seemed to not care. He's like, yeah, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll figure it out. Dude, you just, you don't, you just don't care. This is other people's money you're dealing with and you just don't care about it at all because you think you rule here and you don't. So it's... Sam Bankman fried faces in October 2nd, 2023, <clears throat> which is still down the road, mm -hmm. a trial date. He faces a number of different charges, including fraud, defrauding the Federal Election Commission, and allegedly bribing a Chinese government official. Wow. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of different things. For a long time. Yeah, and it's weird to see a white-collar crime 
even though I don't think the man ever wore a white. Well, no, he did wear a white collar occasionally, but um, doesn't really much of a white collar kind of person, even though he's on the East Coast. Um, it's interesting to see a white collar person go to prison for this. I mean, seriously go to prison. I just get a slap on the wrist like, oh, well, just pay back, you know, pay pay back the money and, and a fine of a billion dollars and you can go free and go start over. It's like, oh, what's his name? The guy who started Firefest. He's starting Firefest number two. Don't you remember well, what happened? After this, <laughs> hopefully after this case, they get, they get to uh, take Alex Mashensky as well. Yeah. Take him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I hope that this, this stuff is all resolved because it's really it's really made crypto look bad it's not crypto's fault that there were a bunch of assholes in in the in the space or crypto pros as it were making it look bad it, crypto itself isn't bad just because there's people who don't know what to or people who are doing crimes for the sake of themselves so that's why all. is ftt up 95 percent? what the heck <laughs> i don't know why is it up <laughs> FTT, let's see here. FTTX, FTT's coin is up. You're right. It went from a buck twenty-five to two twenty, two seventy-five. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I have no idea. All right. Well, that's the end of our show. Thank you all for listening, watching. Uh, thumbs up if you please from YouTubers. We appreciate that. If you want to check out our places to donate here on CoinTree, we appreciate your donation. If you want to check us out on Patreon, that's awesome. Um, that's all of our extra pre- and post-code content will be there. Uh, if you want to donate in fiat, we're, we welcome that as well. You can also join us on Discord. We would be happy to have you there as well. And check out John when he's on Twitter because he's all there, there all the time. Um, yeah, doing life spaces and whatnot. Nostra, bro. Nostra. No, Nostra, fine. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Discord, uh, you can get on our Discord and collect C3 Media tokens literally every single hour. By oh, <clears throat> doing right. a a exclamation do, point slash work. Um, do mine right now on the screen. I have to do it right now. Yep. You can collect your coins, and you can actually big. You can actually buy stuff. Our coins have a certain amount of value uh, within Discord. So check that out. As we say at the end of every single show, after John gets his coins. <laughs> there he is. He's getting his coins. Yep. He collected them. So we appreciate you watching the show and check us out next week or actually next Sunday with the next show coming up. Stack sets and, and huddle. And huddle. Adios. Adios.